Did anybody come for an apostolic move of the Holy Ghost tonight? How about the rest of you? Did the rest of you come for an apostolic move of the power of the Holy Ghost tonight? I wonder if you can get on your feet. What we're going to do for the next couple moments is we are going to prepare the environment for God to move in this house. So what we're going to do is do what they did in the book of Acts. And we are going to start out with repentance right now. I want us for the next couple moments to lift your hands. Every eye closed across the building. And right now, let's let God wash our spirit, our heart, and mind. God, we come before you today. I'm asking, Lord, that your blood would wash away every thought that is not right before you. Every intent of my heart that is not pleasing before for you, God, today. Uh, I'm asking that your spirit would wash me and cleanse me today, Father, that we might be white as snow before you, uh, that our minds might please you, that our hearts and the intents of our heart might please you today, Lord. Uh, we are desiring you and you alone. I'm asking for your blood uh, to wash away everything that's not like you, uh, that's not like your character, that's not like your nature, Lord. Uh, wash it out of us, purify it out of us today, Lord. Lord, I'm asking that you would cleanse us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said this, whatsoever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now, I want us to shift. This room is full of apostolic believers. Right now, I want you to begin to bind some things. There's a spirit of distraction in this room. Let's begin to bind some things in the Holy Ghost. Right now, by the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind every hindering spirit that would try to stop a move of the power of the Holy Ghost. We bind it in Jesus' name and command every hindering spirit to leave this room right now in Jesus' name. I bind every spirit of sickness. I bind cancer in the name of Jesus Christ and we command every sickness to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord Lord God, we loose the power of the Holy Ghost to fall like rain in this house, to sweep from every corner of this room, across every mind, across every spirit. Chains will fall and there will be breakthroughs in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let it happen right now in Jesus' name. I wonder if there's anybody who can praise Him and begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. Is there anybody that's filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost that knows how to pray in the Holy Ghost? Come on, let's stir up the Spirit of God in this room. Come on, somebody stir up the Spirit. Oh, come on, somebody. We didn't come to entertain you. We came to entertain the presence of Almighty God. God. I'm here to get a move of God. I'm here to have a break in the spirit. I'm here to have a divine shift of the power of the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody that came to entertain the presence of God? Come on, let's pr Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Thursday Night of Winds. Somebody lift your hands in your voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. If you came to praise Him, you may just want to tell your neighbor, excuse me, but I came to give Him a little bit higher praise. 
just be here to look cute. You just may be here to shake a few hands. But I came to connect with the only God that can shake some things loose in this atmosphere. Somebody lift up your voice and shout out to God with a voice of triumph.
Come on, somebody, just slip up both your hands in the air and surrender your heart and your mind to him right now. Somebody begin to call the name of Jesus. Come on, don't look around right now. Connect with this power that's in the room. Connect with this touch that's in the house. He's here, he's here, he's here.
to sing it like this. Jesus, 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 there's just something tonight to the book of Joan, the 11th chapter. Now, Brother Crowder said that's the way he grew up singing it. I grew up hearing that song, but it didn't sound like that. When he started, I thought he messed up. It was so high. my friend. That's a, that's a man of God, great singer. We appreciate, appreciate the psalmist. Amen. Praise God. You ever go to a, uh, you ever go to a restaurant and somebody else is paying the bill and they say, do you want an appetizer? Normally when you're paying, you don't. You do, but you don't. But when they're paying, Appetizer sounds good. I'm the appetizer tonight. And uh, my best friend is here, and he's going to come preach in just a few minutes. 
I'm going to do something tonight to try to be on display for every young preacher in the room. I'm going to preach what I don't want to preach because somebody else just preached it. But I'm going to go ahead and preach it because it's what I'm supposed to. Okay? I'm going to, I want to tell you, it's not our job to be pulpit superstars. It's our job to be obedient. Okay? Brother Myers, Sister Myers, this incredible committee and team, what a great honor to be back with you at this WINS conference. To all of those who have preached before, heroes of mine, friends, preachers of the gospel, those that will preach after, what a joy. What a joy to share this sacred podium with you. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a delight. I hold it a high honor. The brothers Urshan. I've been with the brother Urshan, but to be with the brothers Urshan. What a treat. Brother Woodward preaching this morning. Just appreciate, appreciate them. Brother Elms taking us all the way to Jerusalem. My goodness. All that deep preaching this morning. I hope you got that out of your spirit. All that deep <laughs> theological. <laughs> you don't need to do much more right now than just roll up the bottom cuff. Just <laughs> Actually, if you got on rubber sole shoes, you'll be fine. John 11. I want to look at verse 39. Jesus said... Take ye away the stone, Martha. <laughs> Sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. But Carson, you sure you want to preach about this story? I mean, you preached this at our camp meeting last year. I just preached this at conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Lord, by this time he stinketh. He's been dead for days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, <laughs> thou shouldst cease the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place. I guess that was enough of a pep talk to get them going. Took away the, the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it. That they may believe that thou hast sent me. Need them to know I'm more than a prophet. And when he... Thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know if he whistled. I want him to have whistled. I think it would have been great if he whistled. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, they believed on him. After... He looked at them in verse 44 and said unto them, Loose him and let him go. I preached this on the West Coast last week. 
preached it at my church two weeks ago. I'm going to preach it here today. Because the Lord spoke to me recently. And I've heard it as a little bit of a common theme. But the Lord spoke to me about this generation. That, uh, I mean, you guys want revival so bad. So bad. I think it's probably been some of the theme of this conference. To reach out. My friend, Brother Robinette, we talk about billions. If you're still bothered by that, you need to catch up. The Lord spoke to me a week ago, though, a couple weeks ago, when I was just, man, working through this. And I felt the Lord tell me, we don't have a resurrection problem. I'm the resurrection. We don't have a resurrection problem. We have a restoration problem. He said, I'll do the resurrecting if you'll do the restoring. And so, just I just think the Lord wants to do something here tonight. I want to preach, drawn from that, that very verse, 44, loose him, let him go. And if I would give it a different title, I would say you're either two-thirds the problem or two-thirds the answer. You're either two-thirds of the problem or two-thirds of the answer. God, we love you. We thank you for what we feel in this house. I pray you would help me to preach with wisdom and clarity. I'm asking you to help me not take too long to unpackage this text. But I do want to do justice to your word. I'm most encouraged by what I feel through the worship. I'm appreciative of what we feel in your house. But I'm asking you to do something both natural and supernatural in this place. We need both. We need the structure and we need the oil. We need the help from heaven and we need the help of those that are gathered on this earth for this purpose. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let your wind blow through this house. And let everybody say amen. amen. Now turn to your neighbor. Smile so big they see every tooth you own legally. Come on, even if you bought them, they're yours. Smile, show them off. And repeat after me, say, loose him and let him go. He may be seated. Insult to injury, it seems to me, if I read the text and take a little time looking at it. Insult to injury it is that Jesus takes his time at the beckoning of not just anyone, but at the beckoning of a friend. For Lazarus was a friend. Oh, to be called a friend of God. We sing songs about it. It's almost biblical. <laughs> but they had played that card, so to speak. They had used that language. It's your friend. It's not just anyone, Brother Woodward. It's your friend that's sick. He's getting worse. He's not getting better. And yet Jesus knew and even gave them the understanding this is for the glory of God. I'd love to preach about the glory of God. I will tell you something that we all should be keenly aware of. Glory and sin never cohabitate. But glory and grief often do. Glory and grief spend a lot of time together. 
And often, unless you are willing to endure grief, you do not see the full picture of glory. And it's in this story happening once again. They've called him, but he's not coming. All the way up until the point in the fast forward and expedited version of this story, he does in fact die. Now, I want to poll the crowd. I want to make sure that everybody's with me here tonight. How many believe that Lazarus did in fact die? How many don't believe it? Please raise your hand. So some of you are just not voting. Hope you teach Sunday school and your kids won't sit down on Sunday. That's what I... Let's try it one more time. How many believe that this Bible is true and you have a high view of this text? Even when someone is not speaking about the oneness of God, you still believe that... And you believe Lazarus really did... It's a weird thing to amen, but if you believe it, say amen. Now, I would tell you it's an important thing to amen because unless you believe that Lazarus really died, you don't believe Lazarus was really resurrected. I love to preach about the resurrection, but I want to start by telling you I love the death. We are men and women that are powerful because of our belief in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And I've got news for every young man and every young lady that wants to do something mighty for God. You're trying to get a resurrection pre-death. And you can't get a resurrection until the part of you that wants glory. You still want it to be about your ability and your talent and your gifting until that part of you dies. But if you will die to your career and your desire, and if you'll have an altar call when you call for Jesus and still feel like he doesn't show up, I'm going to tell you one of God's greatest blessings is that he doesn't work on our timetable. If he worked on my timetable, I would have messed my life plan up a long time ago. There's a reason that he gave those meticulous instructions for the ark when it had never rained before. He gives him every dimension. If you don't believe it, go to Cincinnati, Kentucky area and look at it. But the one thing he would not give him was a steering mechanism. We don't get to make God prove he's God by bailing us. And Martha said, it's your friend. And Jesus said, let him die. <laughs> let him. <laughs> what a gracious heavenly father. God of mercy and love. Let him die. Sometimes the Lord will let you deal with it for a while. And if we're not careful, we read the text and preach the text and we exhort on the text the whole time thinking this was about Lazarus. This wasn't about Lazarus. 
this is a tool in the hand. I've got news for you. He didn't know he was dead. He lost time. But Jesus never lost track. So much so that when he tells the disciples, let's go, Lazarus is asleep. They're stunned by the whole thing. Confused. It's not a big deal if he's sleeping. And he shows up and here she is. Oh, I love it. And here she comes, big sister to save the day. I've preached about it. You've preached about it. You've all preached about it. Because if nothing will resurrect a service, Lazarus will resurrect a service. <laughs> And she said, if you'd have been here. And then little sis comes out and says, if you'd have been here. He's just as much God when your world falls apart. I don't mean to be insensitive, but he's just as much God when they got divorced. He's just as much God after they walked away. hear the nervous clap do we clap is that where we I'm not sure do we he is just as much God when you think your dreams are dead you need to understand something here about Martha Martha thought she had enough pool with the master that when she called for him he would come. You know those people that know how to pray a certain? Heavenly Father of all things. I'm like, I, don't, I can't keep up with some people. You ever heard people pray? They, they pray in such a way that you think they must always speak in King James. And you're just over here with your, God, I love you, Lord, and I thank you, Jesus, and I... You're just trying not to think about Taco Bell to get through the altar call. <laughs> and she said, I've got relational value. I'm going to show you guys what kind of pull I've got. Jesus, it's me. It's <laughs> me. My brother, your, your buddy, your friend. You guys might not know about me, but I, I'm the sister of one of his close friends. And he never shows up. And by the time he gets there, he's been dead for Brother Robinette, insult to injury. When Jesus looks at her and says, okay, go put your hands on the stone. Oh, I bet you don't. We know her opinion. We, you know, some ladies, you don't have to guess. Like some of you right now, you got sassy over that. I wasn't even talking to you, but I saw. You know who you are. We know who you are. 
Even the Holy Ghost said, no, John, write it, write it. Put your hands on the stone. I don't want to do this. He's been dead four days. He could have been something. But his ministry died days ago. And there's people in this room right now. The real reason you won't put your hands on the stone is because you don't think there's any way for you to live again. Oh, you wear your suit and you make your money and you have your little bank job. But you know he called you to preach 10 years ago at a camp. But you've left that calling. And But I got news for everybody in the building tonight. He didn't ask Lazarus to move the stone. He asked them. He asked her. He said, I want to have a little talk with the brothers and the sisters. I'll do the resurrecting, but I'm going to put you on the hook for the restoring. It's almost like there's a little scripture that says something about ye who are. What is it? Spiritual. Ye who are spiritual get you a finely tailored suit. Ye who are spiritual, get shoes so nice you can't dance in them. Sorry, I'm just going to talk where we live. Ye who are spiritual, get your designer goods on and come down and do one of these so that you don't sweat and so that no bobby pins fall. Can I tell you right now, restoration is dirty business. Watching resurrection in our churches and in our cities and in our youth groups and in our missions work. Building, building, where's my friend, brother? Building buildings and trying to get through governance. Trying to deal with codes and policies. And, and when it feels like Satan himself shows up and says it's been dead too long. And the Lord says, why don't you put your hands on... This is insult to injury. It's been dead a long time. I know what they posted on Instagram. I've seen their Facebook. Just put your hands on the stone. You do what you can do. I'll do what... You sure about this? He's called you to the kingdom for such a time as... She puts her hands on the stone. Now listen. I, I feel this. I know we got some theologians in the room. I don't know if it was a big round stone. I don't know if it's one of these ground stones. I can feel some of you in the room right now. Like, I don't think it was a big round stone. I'm pretty sure that it... <laughs> I don't care. You move the stone, you're going to get dirty. Here's my problem with this. He's about to resurrect him from the dead. I'm pretty sure he could have done the stone. I mean, we're not far removed from the fact we're going to find out. He's good with moving us. Like you got the stone thing. But there's a little something in Jesus saying, Martha, you still think this was about him. 
I'm trying to help you right now. I'm trying to help the body. She moves. Everybody say they moved the stone. They moved the stone. They did. I'm going to tell you it was uncomfortable. Because it is uncomfortable to move over and let somebody sit next to you that still smells like death. (laughs) He probably stinks. Don't do this. And we have so romanticized the text that we see Lazarus come bounding forth in this miraculous moment. And we're like, he got up. And everybody's like, wow, he got up. He's still stuck. I don't know how they are at your church. But at Calvary, I love when they walk in smelling like booze still. Oh, it's so nervous in the room. Like, are you talking about who are you? This may shock you. Every now and then, we got sections in the church that smell like marijuana. Oh, Pastor Carson, that's not funny. It's funny that we don't know how to handle him after we cry in altars and ask for revival and then he sends us people we don't want to. We might not roll away stones, but we open up doors. What about when Lazarus comes bounding into your church and he's been dead for the last 12 years? No, not physically, but he used to walk into Sunday school and hear about the goodness and the mercy of God. But he's been in the tomb of this world so long that he got addicted to alcohol and and he's got drugs in his pocket all the time. But he's been feeling a voice calling him. He's been feeling the Lord step Here's my question. Could we even handle the revival he's trying to give us? I'm not sure that we can handle the lost because we can't even restore the one saved. <laughs> Lazarus, you stink. Hop back in there. Hop back in there. Come to church when you get cleaned up. want them if they haven't completely got it all figured out and the smell of death is still on them and what about if they don't know how to dress right what about if they hop to the forefront of the grave still looking like bondage be, be seated because I just know I need to preach here for a minute I can feel the nervousness in the room and help me I think last year at camp I was preaching about him and John Mark helped me in California last week one of my favorite images mental images and I love the narrative of scripture I, I just absolutely love it one of my favorite mental images is to consider him bound hand and foot hopping to the front of the I, I 
recognize what a miracle it really is when the average person gets resurrected? On Sunday at Calvary, the guy we baptized had tattoos all over his face. He said, you got to help me. I've got anger and I don't know what to do with it. You know what my executive pastor who spent years in prison said to him? I know exactly what you can do. I got good news for you and bad news at the same time. If you don't want them, I want them. If you don't want them in your church, I want them in. We put him down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And he came up out of that water speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God. He is the resurrector. We are the restorer. So he hops to the edge of the grave. He's got his hands and his feet. They're bound. You know he could have done the the tomb. But he certainly could have let him hop to the edge of the grave. In some clean clothes. For the love of God. Well, you're God. For the love of you, just (laughs) but that's what we pray. God, give us souls. And the reason I think we pray is give us souls is because we don't want the dirtiness of bodies. Oh, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He resurrects him from the dead. Now, I took a poll. I took a vote. And everyone that voted said, you think he really was dead. And then you said, you think he really was resurrected. How many still believe he really was? You still believe it. You still believe it. You haven't lost that in 27 minutes. You, you, you. Jesus could have taken care of those clothes. But he expected the assimilation process back among the living to take place by the body. He was concerned that the believers knew how to treat people as though they could become alive again. And so he does it under this terminology. He says, okay, Lucy, who wants to touch somebody after four days dead? Not me. Not me. If you're one of those people that's just, you go up to bodies and you can touch a dead body, kiss on the body. I don't mean to be insensitive. Good on you. No, thank you. Four days dead. Everybody in this room, it's fun to preach about, but everybody in this room, 
Everybody in this room, if Lazarus would have hopped to the edge, you'd have done this. You'd have said, oh, my God. that's amazing. That's incredible. Until the Lord looked at you and said, okay, loose him. You'd have done one of these. Most of the time we're crying in our altars because we haven't done anything since the last time we cried. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being normal. We preach ourselves into a lather, but then we work ourselves into no sweat at all. Jesus could have taken care of the stone. And Jesus could have taken care of the grave clothes. But he looked at Martha. And he looked at Mary. He looked at the church and said... I did my part. You do your part. These crusades that we're trying to have and that we are having right now. Who do you think are filling these stadiums? Because we're going to do one in Indianapolis. And I promise you that my desire is not to just get a bunch of church people. You know who I want? I'm going to just go ahead and speak this into the record. I want some used to be church people. And they weren't even all Pentecostal. No, no, no. A bunch of them just heard about Jesus a little bit. Some of them heard some stuff about the Trinity. Some of them were sprinkled in Catholicism. Some of, I want every one of them to know that because of the death and the burial, And the resurrection that they themselves can repent. They can be buried in the waters of baptism. And they can walk in a newness. How many of you would have liked to have been left in the baptismal? Just, just for a second, just humor me for a second. We can all act like we don't watch these clips and like we don't forward them in our text threads. But you remember a couple of years ago when these like Hulk Hogan baptisms were going in the net? Was watching guys get clothesline. It was like an eye magnet. I didn't want to watch it. And then I thought to myself, Brother Elms, there's people I'd like to rebaptize like. If I could do it under the auspices of the name, slam them, I'd come off the top ropes. <laughs> we believe in baptism. Because we believe there are things that can be left in the grave. You know what Lazarus did leave in the grave? The thing that was killing him. He was sick of something taking his life. And Jesus let him experience it all the way to death. 
You ever thought this thing's killing me? When he resurrected him, that sickness was not a problem. And they were charged to lose him and let him go. If we could rejoice over the return of prodigals, like we do over the thought of friends that don't even know about God, If we could just have a revival of prodigals, this place wouldn't have a seat. You know, somebody told me in Indianapolis, they've got a list of 10,000 prodigals on us. Guess who wants them? Somebody told me. I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you. Somebody told me. Be careful letting prodigals back. That's what I said. Be careful letting prodigals come home. You know, they got spirits. I wanted to say, you. Come on, what would happen if your brother really prayed back through? What would happen if your backslidden sister really came hopping to the... What would happen if that young person that was called to preach really came crashing through the back? I'll tell you what we'd do. We'd say, loose him and let him go. Loose her and let her... Come on, Pastor Myers. We know what we do. We'd give them a mic to testify. We'd give them an opportunity to give glory to God. I don't know. Here's all I know. They tell me I was dead. But he picked me up. And he turned me around. I don't long for the cigarettes anymore. I'm not longing for the alcohol. I stopped lying. I stopped cheating. Stand with me, you'll make me know I gotta stop. Just. But most likely, their first service back, they'll still look dead. I can't believe she would show up here wearing that. What do you expect somebody that's been dead to wear? Some of you are nervous. You don't like it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Quit being a complainer and you ain't won a soul in the last year. Stop. Stop. Stop it. We got to get the body back. We got to get the body back. The whole theme of this conference... If I'm right, the whole theme of this conference is from Ezekiel 37, where he said, where he said, you like this army? Somewhere around verse 11. Ezekiel 37 of verse 11. When he says, I saw an exceeding great army. Ezekiel saw in verse 11 what God saw in verse 1. And then he said, I want you to know I see Israel. Ezekiel had just said, they were bones. And they said, 
very dry. And God said, you think I'm intimidated by a graveyard? I make armies out of dead people. Very next scene. Very next scene. I'm done. I'm getting out of the way. Very next scene. Lazarus is sitting at dinner. <laughs> sitting at dinner and everybody's coming by. It's Lazarus. Joe, what are you doing? I've always liked Martha's cook. I know Mary, she's kind of a lay around type, but I, Mar- Mar- Martha, she's. Some of you don't get it, some of you do. It's, it's a little read your Bible thing. And, and Jim, what are you doing here? Well, well, I just, you know, I was in the neighborhood. Jim, you don't live anywhere around here. Fine. Somebody told I know this can't be right. Somebody said, hmm, I know this is going to sound crazy. Somebody said, Lazarus, expecting them to say, don't you talk about the dead. I heard that he, hmm. it was a tomb thing, hanky deal. Oh, yeah, he's in there eating dinner. Hey, 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 la- hey, lass. I, I just, man, you're killing. I mean, you're good doing. You're, you look rested. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not great. I'm not great at this. Um, Welcome back. I don't, what do we? The crowd just, 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 just kept coming. Because you'll find what happens if you really want to fill your church. Dead people that come back to life will fill your building. You don't know how to reach the lost. Get a couple prodigals prayed through. Here's what I found out. You let somebody who had been told they were dead and had no future and had no hope. You let them get resurrected and let the church begin to love on them and restore them. You'll find that their family shows. Their friends will show. I want to shock you. We got prodigals teaching Bible studies to people they did drugs with. Not in the church. Absolutely in the church. You ever been to, listen, you ever been to a funeral? Who's been to a funeral? 
Dead people. Just got to be there to draw the crowd. I don't know what, I don't think Laz did much talking. He was starving, hadn't eaten in days. And the Lord said, this was all for my glory. What was for your glory? At the church. At the church. Could find out they could be two-thirds of this miracle. I'll do the resurrecting. I am... We all know Martha. We we all no 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 no. I I'm the resurrection. I'll do the resurrecting. You do the restoring. Lift your hands with me all over the house, if you will. Right now, the Lord is beginning to put people in your mind and your heart. Right now, that you're meant to help loose and let go. You're meant to help restore them to the body. You've been so busy. You have been so busy offended at their Instagram that you have not heard the Lord telling you, loose them and let them go. You haven't been saving a seat for them because how bad they stink. You haven't been inviting them because they still look like death. But the Lord is putting people in your spirit right now that you're meant to help restore come on hands lifted and hearts open I want you to know it's a part of this last day revival Now listen to me, Brother Crowder, whoever's about to sing, come here. I know we love preaching, but we are fat on preaching and thin on restoration.
Everybody find somebody. Everybody find somebody. Just get close to them. Come here, Aaron. Aaron, Brother Bounds, come here. Everybody find somebody. Let's pray together. God help us restore the body. Restored. There's resurrection and there's restoration.
God, I don't want any hesitation. When you say go, I want to say yes. When you say speak, I want to speak. When you say pray, I want to pray. Things in me that are getting in the way. We just want to be free, God.
hand lifted would everyone stand to your feet lift your hands to the Lord and just love him right now hallelujah come on let's lift our hands and just love him love his presence love what we feel in the name of Jesus of the Lord. I want everyone to stop praying for a moment. There is, there is healing in this room right now. There is, there is a burden. We feel a spirit of intercession. Pastor Carson has led us to a great place in the spirit. But there must be something that we embrace in the, in, in the spirit of restoration. We know that only God can resurrect. We truly know only God can remit sins. But you can't operate in the spirit of restoration without the spirit of forgiveness in your own heart. 
We've got to love one another. We've got to forgive each other. I hear, I, I hear in my spirit in the book of Philemon when Paul writes him and says, you need to bring Onesimus home. He's, he's profitable to you. I realize he abandoned you and, and walked away from you at some weak moment, but he's my son now. He, he'll be valuable to you. And he says, I salute you with Marcus. Marcus, who had walked away from Paul and stood him up in a missionary journey. But in Paul's dying words, he said, make sure you tell Marcus that, that he's profitable to me. Listen, they might be at a bar tonight. Tattooed up. A PK somewhere. But you've got to forgive them now before they ever walk into the door of the church house. I feel that. I've, I know some people have done you wrong. But you've got to get that out of your heart right now. Healing always follows spirit of forgiveness. I want you to lift both hands in the air. God baptized me with a forgiving spirit. I'm not going to hold any charge to anybody that's done me wrong. I don't want anything in my life that would keep me from being close to you. Lord, let there be forgiveness. Come on, embrace that right now. Women always done it right. They didn't always do it right. But if God can forgive me, and God can forgive them, who am I to hold them charged for what they did? Who am I to believe that God can't change them? Come on, pastor. They're coming home. They didn't listen to your counsel. They made a mess of their life. But God's going to give them resurrection power. I wish there was a preacher that would throw his hands in the air and say, God, I won't judge them. I will restore them. I will not hold their disobedience against them. I will restore them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. The old song says, Satan led my soul astray from the straight and narrow way. But to Jesus I did pray. He heard my prayer and he rescued me. And now I'm free this very day. How many of this building are thankful for the grace and the mercy of God? <laughs> Hallelujah. You remain standing, return to your seats. But we're going to get into the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ia yelo mosherra kia sanda yela lo mondo rasanda ye. 
Jesus' name. The old song says, I, I love him. Maybe no, no keyboard. I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me. your hands and close your eyes and say, oh, I love him. Let me feel that way tonight. the name of the Lord the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 35 it's good to be here tonight it is great to be here I love what I felt last year at Winds conference I certainly appreciate Pastor Myers Sister Amy Myers their wonderful family Bishop and Sister Myers this host church everyone's been so kind the food it's just an amazing place to be isn't it I'm so glad to be here. The speakers, uh, Brother Woodward, I love you. Appreciate you so much. So thankful for you and your voice in my life. Man, we heard a word from Pastor Carson, didn't we? I feel a revival of prodigals tonight. The devil can't have them. He's a chain breaker. He's a way maker. He can open up prison doors tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a great revival of prodigals. If you believe it, shout amen. Man, I'm in a preaching church tonight. I can tell right now. Look at two or three people and say, the devil's had a bad day. Hallelujah. What kind of church is this? It's a sanctified church. It's a hand clapping. It's a foot stomping. It's a tongue talking. It's a Pentecostal apostolic church. Come on, look at your neighbor and say it's a sanctified church. It's a Holy Ghost church. It's a dancing church. It's a leaping for joy church. It's a born again blood by church. I'm so glad I'm a part of the church tonight. Hallelujah. And one of these days, when the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. The songwriter wrote, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Oh, is there anybody heaven bound in the building? Oh, glory. Well, I'll fly away. Oh. 
and I'll reach those pearly gates. And they swing open wide. I'm going to shout for joy. I'll reach the other side. Well, all my pain and sorrow.
against me we're going to make it I'm trying to behave myself but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me hallelujah again. Ah, 
There's healing happening. There, there's, there, there's healing happening in this room. And uh, and I, I don't want to get in the way of it. What, what you're feeling right now is the presence of God. And that's, that's why it's so overwhelming. It's, it's power from on high. And Pastor Urshan, you taught us that the power of the fruit of the Spirit. And you might say, how do you know that it's the Spirit of God that you feel? Because the Spirit of God will always fulfill the emotions of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and gentleness. When the Spirit of the Lord comes, you will want to hug somebody you don't like. I was at a family member's funeral. There was, there was bereavement in the room. There was contention with some family members. And my young cousin, Jessica Bounds, began to sing. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. The room filled. The temperature changed. My childhood pastor said, Brother Aaron, did you feel that? I said, yes, sir. He said, bereavement left the room when the Spirit of the Lord came in. And I saw people that hadn't talked in years hugging each other. There's a great revival coming to the United Pentecostal Church. Listen, and there is going to be a great gathering from all over the apostolic movement and what you preached is going to be fulfilled because the fruit of the spirit is going to push out the contentions of human spirit there's going to be a gathering and connection how many want that just just be seated i'm not going to take a text i'll just reference it is it okay It was, it was the summer of last year. I, I was in an airport getting ready to fly to Texas to preach their 75th camp meeting. And I'm at the gate and all of a sudden I felt the presence of God in an airport. And I know the presence of the Lord. It's incomparable, of no compare. And when I felt the presence of the Lord and the gate is filled with people, the plane that was going to fly to Atlanta, I, I just quietly got on my knees in reverence of his presence. The Adrian, I knelt before the Lord and just began to talk to him. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, God, 
Thank you for what I feel right here in this airport. And uh, I, I knew it was the Lord because what I've already taught you in just a moment ago is that the presence of the Lord is always embraces the fruit of the Spirit. It's joy, it's warm, it's gentle, it's kind, it's patient, it's, it's fulfilling. How many know that? The day before I had taught from a text that I tried to read three times and gave up. Luke 12. And it simply says this, that when the Lord returneth from the wedding and he finds you waiting, that he says when he comes to you and you are girded and your lights are burning. When he comes, returns, talking about the rapture, when he comes and you are girded, you're clothed, and your lights are burning, he says this, he said he's going to set you down He's going to gird himself, and he's going to serve you what he's prepared for you. And so that Sunday, I preached, Sister Sophia, I preached with a, a, a cooking apron on. It's a little awkward, but I did it. Had it around my neck and tied it around my back. It was an apron, and I was talking about that growing up in church, when you make reference to the coming of the Lord, it seemed like, Growing up in church, the rapture was always uh, in a connotation of the fear of God. It's like, you better get ready, he's coming. I mean, the evangelists start the countdowns at 10. If your heart's not right with God, 9, you better be ready, you're going to be going to hell, 8. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, when he got to 3, I'm like, God! You're running if I don't get there by, by if I don't get there by number one, you know, I'm done. He's it's over, and and I'm not saying we don't need that type of fear of God, but most of that, I most of that period of time in my life, it was Jesus, Jesus is Jesus is coming. But when I read Luke in my devotion, and I saw that that it was to be anticipated, that not on your heels, but on your tiptoes. I'm not watching for him like a thief in the night. I'm watching for him like a bride waiting on the groom to come and get me. I got a mansion that's being built. There's something built for me in the Father's house. I'm, it's about to be an address change notification. I, he's here somewhere. I, I'm just, come on. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. I know we need the fear of God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not degrading that. I'm not saying we shouldn't live with that fear of the Lord. But the church ought to live also in the expectation. I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming soon. It may be in the evening, maybe morning, night, or noon. I want to be ready. I'm waiting on Him to come. He's got something prepared for me. He's got something waiting on me. I just want to know down here in Florida, is there anybody in the building that's looking forward to the coming of the Lord? I'm ready. I'm ready. I used to pray, don't come. And now I'm praying, Lord, go ahead and come. Just go ahead and come on. When I preached that and I talked about him serving us, something moved in that room very special. There was a, a glory of God. 
not saying it was, that that there's not a presence of God of any other servant, but there was something special that day. And and, uh, I walked away feeling like that this is what God wants from us. He wants us anticipating his return. No, don't come. Be terrible. Some of you men, you got home, your wife said, I didn't want you to come home. No, he's coming. The next day, I back to the city and I started the message with in the airport. I'm on my knees, I'm praying, and I feel the same thing in an airport. The presence of God. I am a backpack's beside me that I travel with. And, and while I was praying on my knees, my phone rings. It's my wife. I get up, throw the backpack over my shoulder, and I step back and I'm on the phone. And I'm talking to my wife. And the gate C-55 is in front of me, the last gate that has no exit. That plane's gone. It's C-56. Uh, there's no way there but about three people. And I looked up and through the crowd comes a man. A man come walking through the crowd. And I looked and he had an apron around his neck. It was tied around his back. And uh, the closer he got, I began to think, why in the world is a guy in an airport going with an apron around his neck? The closer he got, I looked and it said the kingdom of God. It said righteousness, the kingdom of God. At the bottom of the apron it said Matthew 6.33. He came this close to me, and I'm on the phone with my wife, and I'm a little slow sometimes, but I was thinking, I just preached that less about 24 hours ago. He's walking past me, and he, he goes and stands probably 50 feet, and he's looking out the window, and I'm sort of looking at this guy, thinking about, I'm going to go have a conversation with this guy. I just preached this yesterday. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added, but there's a heaven that's waiting on us. And, and I was thinking, and I, I told my wife, I said, I've got to go, and... And I hung up, and when I turned around, he was gone. He was gone. Just like that. There's no exits. I'm there pretty often. That plane is gone. He didn't get on a plane. I, I walked down that way trying to find him. He was hiding behind. There's a little cutout. In the, he was gone. It disappeared. It was an angel of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something we better understand tonight. You better love righteousness. Or you're not going there. This isn't about your kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. And if you don't put it first, you're going to live in the lower and beggarly elements of this world. My, I feel something in the spirit. You have got to learn to fall in love. In love with his presence. In love with his righteousness. This isn't about a Sunday event that you do to mark off your box of religiosity and religious obligations. Oh no, I've got a king that I'm serving. I've got a heaven that I'm headed to. It was just a few days ago that, that I... I, it was, matter of fact, it was Monday. I'd flown all night from California after preaching a missions conference there. And, and I get to my office and uh, I'm in there. And the, the, the further the day got, the worse I begin to feel in my emotions. My emotions begin to feel very dark and very troubled. Troubled so much, I began to be very miserable. It was not necessarily an anxious feeling, but it was a, it was a troubled, troubled feeling. And uh, uh, not, 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 not like physically, but emotionally, I began to feel empty, broken, heavy. And in that, I, I was so troubled. I, I went to the sanctuary. That's a good place to go when you're, when you're troubled. 
And I feel like, and every pastor hear me, there's something happening. God is calling us to pray in our sanctuaries. David said, I was troubled until I came into the sanctuary and I saw their end, which means he also was reminded of his end. And in the troubling, I'm praying, oh God, I pray against this. I'm praying against this emotion. I'm praying against this feeling that I feel, this trouble. While I'm praying, I begin to feel the presence of God. And what happens is love, joy, peace. That feeling begin to go away. And I said, God, what is it I'm feeling? He said, you are feeling the spirit of iniquity. He said, I'm allowing you to feel the spirit of iniquity. When you begin to look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it it teaches us. Paul said, now we beseech you, verse 1, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say the coming of the Lord. And by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that that day of Christ is at hand. He talks about deception. But he goes on and down and says in verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Who is that wicked? It's the spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit. There are two prevailing spirits in the end time. The spirit of the Antichrist. Also, the spirit of God. Amen. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Those are the two prevailing spirits in the end time. One is light. And one is darkness. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, it teaches us, I'll just tell you. It teaches us that when the darkness came on the land, that darkness was so dark that it could be felt. You can feel darkness. That which is born of this flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We understand already tonight that if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, amen, the Spirit of Christ, one God, one Spirit, comes into our midst, we are going to feel the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. But when an unclean spirit comes near you, you're going to feel the opposite of that. When God shows up, you're going to feel hope. You're going to feel faith. You're going to feel good. It's going to be warming. It's going to be welcoming. But when an unclean spirit comes to you, comes near you, you are going to feel hopeless. You are going to feel empty. When an unclean spirit, resurrect Lazarus. When an unclean spirit comes, you are going to feel the emotions of that spirit. Brother Billy Cole, who was an apostle, who understood spiritual principalities, jurisdictional authority. When his plane would start landing, he would take authority. Don't sit. (laughs) He would take authority over the spirit of that region. He would take, am I right? He would take authority over it because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. 
when you are dealing with spirits in, in, in gates of hell, it's not just one gate of hell, there are regional hubs, governmental authorities, and when you go in there, you think the devil's just going to fold his arm and let you come and declare revival in that city? Oh, no. They're going to they're gonna do... You're going to find that those spirits are going to rise up. They're going to oppose you through people. Paul said that when he, when he went and began to preach the gospel in Macedonia, that there was a woman of divination that showed up. A woman of divination. Watch this. She said, these are the men of God, which bring us the truth. She spoke a correct word. She knew who he was, but she spoke it in a wrong spirit. And when she began to come near him, the Bible says his spirit was grieved. Anytime there is spiritual warfare or spiritual opposition, you are going to feel a grieving in your spirit. You cannot separate spiritual warfare from your own personal emotions. You're not a homosexual. You're feeling the darkness. You're not an adulterer. You're feeling the darkness of the spirit of adultery. You're not angry. You're feeling the spirit of offense. You're not depressed. You're feeling the darkness. You're not losing your mind. You're an intercessor. And any time that you begin to engage in warfare, you're going to begin to feel the spirit of the opposition that's coming against you. And the closer we get to the end, the more darkness you're going to begin to feel. But I hear in the back of my mind a word from the old song, The Waterway. You know about it, Elder, because I shared it with you. But for over a year, I can hear the voice from an old black preacher saying, There shall be light in the evening time. There shall be light in the evening time. Yes, there's going to be government chaos. There's going to be immoral corruption. But I, there is a promise that the light is going to shine with the children of Israel. The darkness can be felt. I know who I'm preaching to right now. I'm preaching to the end time church. You said, I don't know why I'm dealing with insomnia. Why am I dealing with fear? Why am I dealing with infirmities in my body? When my dad would plant a church, he would get infirmities in his body. I didn't understand it. One time, Brother Carson, you were with him. Brother Carson looked at my father and said, how do you feel? He said, I feel like I'm dying. You remember that? Darkness was in that city so heavy in Parkersburg, West Virginia. It was a gate of hell. Chaos. Sin. But my father is, is an apostle, operates in the spirit of apostleship. He's planted four churches. And Paul said in Galatians 4 and 13, he said, through the infirmity of my flesh, I preached the gospel to you at the first. 
I know it sounds out of context. But he also says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. There are things that you take on, men of God. There's things that you take on as evangelists. When you go into regions, you start feeling things. You start thinking, what's wrong with me? Some of you have even as went as far as to say, I don't even think God... I don't, even, I don't even think I'm saved. I don't even think I know. wonder if God even knows where I'm at. I feel lost. And you've taken it personal. When those emotions come up on me, Brother Sister Turner, I get on my knees and I start soul searching. What did I say? Who was I around? What have I done? Why do I feel lost right now? Then all of a sudden it hits me. It's not me. It's what I'm come to pray out and to deliver from. I'm going to get real with you right now. Some of you, your marriages are struggling because you don't understand spiritual, spiritual sensitivities and spiritual warfare. You are fussing at, you're grouchy with, and you don't realize you're just feeling the darkness that's trying to come against you. But I come to tell you there's an answer tonight, and greater is he that is with us than he that is within the world. You have overcome them, little children. I wish some of you others would jump to your feet and help me for a minute. And shout, there shall be light in the evening time. There shall be light in the evening time. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Spiritual opposition. Spiritual oppression. I watched my dad plant that church in Parkersburg. He went and got tested. He was dying. He was a diabetic and had never been a diabetic. Nine surgeries in two years. Diabetic. All of a sudden, when he turned the church over and had a transition and a breakthrough, he was no longer a diabetic. Wakes up one day, he's completely gone. While he was in that city, witches would march around his church. Every year, my dad was pushing back the darkness. I'm going to tell every preacher here right now, you cannot fight this battle by yourself with just you and your wife. We need the saints of God to step up to this and say, I'm not letting my man of God do this all by himself. If one could put a thousand to fight, two could put ten thousand to fight. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard against it. Come on, say to God, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get away from my pastor's family. Get away from my children. I command you to... The gates of hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell... Somebody shout, there shall be light. In the evening time, I want you to lift your hands right now everywhere in the building to repent. Forgive me for my ignorance. Forgive me for my ignorance. Forgive me for not being sensitive enough to understand what's going on.
Be seated in a moment. There's an army we heard it preached about. There's an army. Let me, let me address something here tonight. It's hard enough going in and having breakthroughs and divine shifts without entertaining stuff that's unrighteous. Now, now listen to me. The only place I find the word entertainment in Scripture is when the Bible says, beware of us, you entertain angels unawares. If you can entertain angels, you can entertain fallen angels. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What does it mean? It means when you rebel, disobey, cross the lines that God has given you, rebellion's like witchcraft. You conjure up spirits to you. Entertainment in the secrecy of your home as adults not realizing you're polluting the atmosphere of your house. But we're adults. We can handle this adultery scene and this, this, this death, witchcraft stuff. Not realize that entertainment invites. It opens. That's why it's called media, which is another form of medium. A conjuring of and bringing in. Fact of the matter is, they wouldn't even been thinking of that if they hadn't been around that. You have no authority over what you entertain yourself with. You, you don't. You don't have a. I, I. I brought a video game when I was a kid, and and uh, am I okay, Pastor? Uh, I, I brought a video game. My brother and I snuck into the house. We knew we knew it wasn't right because there's more of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. We could feel it wasn't right. There's a check. New. We did it anyhow. That's what kids do sometimes. Brought it in the house. Had it hid. It was a game called Mortal Kombat. My dad, who was a spiritual man, wakes up in the middle of the night and there's a demon standing beside his bed. He says, who are you? And it disappeared. And the Holy Ghost led my dad to the secret game. Pulled it out. Threw it into the river. The next morning he said, boy, don't you ever bring something in this house that brings a spirit into this home. He said, go read the manual with it. In that manual was how to conjure up demons. You better listen to me. God spoke to me twice over a year period. He told me something that shook my world. He said to me, I can tell you where I was standing, the Crowder. He said, media is destroying my people. He said, it's not what they're watching that's destroying them. It's who they're watching that's destroying them. He said, because entertainment, is, entertainment has allowed in their home people they would never bring in their house. As if a screen is different than the embodiment of a human spirit. When preachers get in this pulpit, they will impart convictions, burdens, passions, and callings. When entertainment is turned on your home, it will impart 
lack of convictions, immoralities, views of godlessness, atheism, homosexuality, perversion. I know it's not popular, but we're living in the last of the last days. We don't have time to deal with anxiety, fear, depression, sensuality. Come on, wrestle things we shouldn't have to wrestle because we want to be cultural. I called my wife. I said, and I believe we have a clean home. But I called my wife. I said, I don't care what it is. Every iPad, every screen, every every radio, turn it off. I don't want one voice in my house for a period of time unless it's a God, Holy Ghost field voice. Darkness. It's getting more evil all the time. Come on. And the Lord said that's why they can't keep a consistent prayer life. It's high on Sunday. Then all of a sudden they're they're down here low on Monday. Why? Because of a phone. I want everybody to get your phone. You know you got it. You can't leave the car with that. Grab your phone. I feel the anointing of the Lord right now. Because we can't have moments of victory. We've got to have consistent victory. I realize you're quiet because you're trying to process. What is it I'm watching? It's not right. What device do I have on? What, what in the world is really talking about? That's pretty clear, I think. Why do we have atheists entertain us? I, I know it's hard. I, I'm... Why do we have people that want to destroy the church against the church? Three preachers came to our church. Numbers 33, 51, 52, and 53, when they came to the promised land. The law was remove the pictures from the walls. When you get in the promised land, get the pictures from the walls. Three preachers in a row came in. My wife finally got up and said, are we going to listen to the preachers or not? They keep saying the same thing. Tear down the things. And it was sensual. Oh, but I, I like the artistic way they did. The Canaanites did. I don't want to get it because, man, they, they got a lot of work. It's beautiful. I like the way they mixed the colors together. Problem is, it invites spirits. I don't, I don't want my baby struggling with stuff that the world struggles with. I don't have an agenda tonight. I got a word from the Lord. We got to get rid of things. I, I, I don't know how to bring balance to it except I went to my mother-in-law's house on a Sunday. You can be seated. I went to my mother-in-law's house on a. Elder, am I okay? Thank you. I went to my mother-in-law's house on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, as I love to do, I walked in the house. It stunk so bad, Brother McClary. Because she had burnt the green beans. I'm talking about not burn them. She let them on all time, the whole service, church service. They were scorched. I'm talking about it stinketh by now. I went in there. I said, oh, my goodness. I sat down at the table. Started eating baked steak and gravy and mashed potatoes. Macaroni and cheese. 
Arnold Palmer. Amazing, 10 minutes, I didn't smell it anymore. It was, I didn't know it was there. How in the world in 10 minutes, something that stunk so bad, I didn't even recognize. Afterwards, I ate a piece of pie and drank a cup of coffee, laid down on the chair, probably took a 30-minute nap like I normally do. Got up, had to go get something out of the truck when I got, went out to the truck. I went out the truck to get something and uh, came back in the house when I opened the door. Oh, my goodness. I was reminded that the house smelled like burnt green beans. There's a prevailing spirit on the earth. And he embodies the spirit of iniquity. Iniquity is an atmosphere of lawlessness. It's the mystery of iniquity that doth already work. It's an atmosphere that's conducive to powerless Christians that suffer more with trying not to conform to the world than they are impacting the world. Doing more pushing back than entering in. Is it possible that what you entertain yourself with has caused you to smell more like the Antichrist than the Holy Spirit? What does, what does my car smell like? What, does my, what kind of fragrance is the iPad producing? What, 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 what kind of atmosphere is coming off of my phone? Come on, I like to stay happy like I was at the beginning, but there's a holiness revival that God's bringing to the church. I, Come on, I feel something in the spirit right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't need to smell like green beans. You don't need to smell like the Antichrist. The only thing I can say is the way you bring balance to it, you got to step away from it for a period of time and turn it all off and say, i got to make sure that I'm not desensitized. I've got to make sure that my heart is right. i got to make sure that I'm not far away from him. I've got to make sure... I've got to make sure. I want you to lift your hands all over this building and call on the name of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, too. Be seated. I, I'm almost done. I, a few years ago, we had, you start the year with a fast, and it's always great. How many's ever heard of the Daniels fast? It's terrible. I don't know. When the elder told me, elder told me my life, he said, that's nothing but a diet. I said, don't knock it till you try it. He later told me, he said, I'd rather go with no food. 
I mean, you can only eat so many carrots and strawberries. I'm just telling you right now. People in Zanger, they become nutritional scientists. Seven-layer bean, whole wheat pizza, <laughs> almond milk, and, you know, whole wheat cereal, sweetened by honey. Why do I feel such guilt in the building? <laughs> I, iniquity. <laughs> I, I was praying, Lord, what, what do you want us to do this year? And, and I felt the Lord say, tell the people to go 30 days with no media. And uh, so I got up, I told the church, I said, we're not going to do a Daniel's fast this year. And I said, we're going to go 30 days with no media. Your phone will be a phone, that's it. Uh, no social media, no video games, no, no media, news, or whatever that. You know, we talk about young people's social media, and we've we got to talk to the old people about news. Some of you thought you were getting out of this tonight. <laughs> I'm coming after every single one of you in the building. Amen. And, and uh, I said nothing for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, it was the fifth Sunday. My dad, who operates in the Get the Faith, came and did a crusade at the church for the Robinette. At the end of the message, when he gave the word of faith, there was such power in the building. Twelve notable miracles that night. There are going to be some notable miracles in this, in this meeting as well. My, I feel that. And uh, a lady, one of the ladies got healed, had had a heart murmur. Uh, not a heart murmur, but she had a valve in her heart that was leaking. She had level four, level five kidney failure. She met the doctor. The doctor said, when you get back, we got to do surgery on you. Your kidneys are failing. We've got to do a heart valve. In that surgery, she was healed. When she went back to the doctor, the doctor listened to her heart, checked her kidneys, and he said, what doctor have you seen since you was with me the last time? Since you were with me the last time? She said, I haven't been to a doctor. He said, what medicines have you been taking? She said, I've been taking any medicine. He said, your heart's fine and your kidneys are fine. Notable miracles. Notable miracles. I was just in a meeting a few weeks ago and a lady had a tumor. Instantly she felt it pop. When she went to the doctor, it was gone. Somebody else that was in that meeting had a concave chest when the word of faith was spoken. That chest that there was deformity from the moment of birth instantly filled in in that moment. Power of creative miracles. Don't tell me that the darkness is going to rule. There is a light that's greater than anything. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I feel something moving in the right direction. I, there were 12 notable miracles in one service. I went to prayer and said, God, I don't understand. I said, I don't understand. I said, we do a media fast. It wasn't a food fast, but we did a media fast and 12 notable miracles in one service. I said, how did it happen? And God said, he said, media has hardened the heart of my people. He said, it's like an eggshell around the egg. He said, I've put everything in them they need, but it's encapsulated because of media. He said, when they fasted media, the eggshell broke everything that I put in them come out. And I was able to do through them what I want to do through them.
It wasn't just a matter of days. George Guy, who I believe was a, was a prophet of the Lord, texted me. He said, I was in prayer. And the Lord said, the church that you pastor had been like encapsulated like an eggshell around an egg, but it's broken now. I know I've come into where you live. I realize tonight I'll step into your car, maybe your bedroom, even into the living room. I know it might be out of context, but don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. The tree in the garden was worn because it had good, but yet it did have evil. Can I preach to you for a moment that what is going to happen in the end time is going to come with old-fashioned convictions, a fear of God, and an altar in your world of consecration and prayer? I want you to jump to your feet. I want you to clap your hands and I want you to shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I want you to reach out to the Lord and say whatever I've got to do. I don't want anything between me and you. telling you, there are going to be things that God's going to do a quick work with. I was preaching a Wednesday night Bible study, remain standing, then come to the music, preaching a Wednesday night Bible study, and I was talking about miracles. All of a sudden, I just felt a shift on a Wednesday night. I was talking about miracles I'd seen. Maybe some of those that even in that, that, that crusade I was talking about, the local church. When I did a lady in the front row, jerk, just like this. I saw her jerk. I saw a commotion on the front row, on the front row after service. Her sister came to me and said, I have to talk to you. I said, what's going on? She said, you see the lady I brought with me? I said, yeah. She said, that's my sister. Said so she hobbled in to church. She said, she leaned over to me and said, I imagine people make fun of me because my walk is so handicapped. She has one leg that is shorter than the other. Said, it's that way because she tried to commit suicide and jumped off of a bridge in town. And it damaged it caused her leg to be shorter than the other. But when I began to preach about miracles and the power of God, she started believing it instantly. Her, her leg that was shorter uh, lined up and it grew into place at that very moment. She hobbled in but walked up normally and got baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. What God is going to do is going to be very powerful. But it's not going to happen because you're a gifted people. It's not going to happen because the building is beautiful. He said to Moses, I want you to build the menorah. This is how I want it to be made. The Lord spoke to me twice, just a few weeks ago, twice in one week. This is what he told me. Because we have leadership now. 
We, gave, we have great structures. I was even in a great meeting in this district called Systems and Strategies. It's a great, we need it. We need excellence in the church. It's the menorah. It's, you don't have to pray about what time you church, start church service. You have a structure. But God spoke to me twice. He said, what use is the menorah if there's no fire? What use is your good singing and your choir and your musicians if it's not lit on fire? What use is your preaching if there is no fire? There has to be an altar in your world. There has to be consecration in your life. So before I step out of the way, can I ask you, when's the last time you prayed an hour and you didn't want to stop? When's the last time you were in a three-hour prayer meeting with God and it felt like it wasn't enough? When's the last time you were so enamored by his presence and nobody was around? Because it's not going to be our giftings or our buildings or our systems or our processes. It's going to be a consecrated altar before the Lord that's going to bring the fire. That's going to see millions are going to see in a dark hour. There is a people that have the light on. There's a people that are girded with righteousness. Somebody shout, there shall be light in the evening time. I come to a close and we need to pray. Darkness was so dark it could be felt. Look at your neighbor's say it can be felt. Can anybody relate with the emotions of the hour we live in? Come on, be honest with me. The Bible says it was so dark that they couldn't see each other. They couldn't see each other. But it says this in Exodus 10 and 23. But there were there was light in the dwellings of the children of Israel. The whole land was dark, except the houses of the people of God. I've come tonight with a word from the Lord. Is there any light on in your house or is it only in your church? that's 20 years old is there a light on in your bedroom is it only at a youth conference preacher's kid listen to me is the only light on in your house the one in your dad and mom's prayer closet or preacher's kid have you learned how to turn the light on in your prayer closet most dangerous thing you're ever going to do is learn to operate in your gifting without an altar. Because it'll feel good but will produce nothing. Turn them all off.
Is this what your church looks like in your community? Preacher, you're loud in the pulpit. You're gifted. You've got skills. You know how to put a message together and tie it with the right story. But are you a menorah with no light? Maybe that's why there's no converts. Because you learn to preach with no oil and no fire. I love your beautiful structure. But your city needs an altar on fire. I love your youth group programs. I love your small groups. But is there any light? Is there any light? Come on, Ephesus, get back to your first love. Or I'll remove the candlestick out of its place. Get back to repentance, not giftings. (laughs) I appreciate your degrees and your knowledge, but where's the fire?
want them to begin to bring the lights start bringing the lights up you don't have to stop praying can if you are a pastor or a pastor's wife I want you to raise your hand pastor or pastor's wife Would you raise your hand? You're in the ministry. Raise your hand. You cannot. How how many of you pastors understand that you can feel the darkness of your city? Feel the weight emotionally of your city? 
Can you relate with that? How do you balance it? You cannot be in spiritual warfare 24 hours a day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, maybe this is the only second or third time I've ever mentioned this from a pulpit. You have to have, you have to learn to have devotion without intercession. Hear me. I'm giving instruction tonight. I'm so burdened by this. Your prayer time alone with God cannot be praying for your city and praying for the church and praying for individuals. You got to quit praying and studying to get a message. Start praying and studying just to know the Lord. Ministry is what I do in the overflow of my devotion. My devotion cannot be warfare or I'll eventually avoid prayer. If I'm alone with him, I'm going to feel the oil of gladness because I love righteousness and hate iniquity. You hear me? And I'm alone with him. I'm going to feel strength and I'm going to feel the fruit of the spirit. If the only time you're praying is I'm casting out this spirit, I'm praying for this failing marriage, I'm praying against this, want this to happen, you're going to suffer emotionally. Everybody take your hands and hold it out as a bow. You've got to have time for intercession. But you've got to have time just alone with God. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. I almost backslid as a 19-year-old preacher helping my dad pastor three churches evangelizing and going to engineering school. The only time I was praying and reading my Bible was to get a message. And I was falling away from the Lord while preaching. Until I pretty much determined I was going to be an engineer and preach on the side. You can be a PK, very busy, fading away from God. You can pastor a church and fade away from the Lord. Because darkness, you will eventually start conforming to an atmosphere. I have not studied to preach since I was 19. Hope it didn't seem that way. He said, what do you mean you don't study to preach? I don't study to get a message. I just study to know the Lord. We got to quit trying to fast read our Bible through so we can say, I filled out my spread the bread sheet. Drag through the verses. Stop five or six verses in and lean our head back and weep over the mercy and the grace of God as it speaks to us. The oil of gladness will begin to soak over your spirit. And then you step in your day, not as a preacher, but as a man that walks with God. And with the Lord, all things, all things become possible. All things, every situation, darkness begins to leave because I didn't walk into this situation with intellect, counseling degree, and experience. I walked in with the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of my salvation, of whom shall I fear? One thing of desire of the Lord, and that will I, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord.
and to inquire in his temple. If your emotions are bankrupt, I pray healing for you right now. I feel something happening right now. The Spirit of the Lord is getting ready to bring joy where you have suffered. Some of you have got medication in your purse right now, but God wants to bring healing to your fear, healing to your emotions right now. Caleb Herring, come here. I want you to come and stretch your hands out and start praying. You don't have to tell anybody. But you have suffered emotionally. Darkness. God in his great presence is getting ready to come and bring healing to you right now. How many feel what I'm talking about? Lift your hands and open up your spirit. You can trust the spirit of the Lord. There's healing happening right now. Come on. There's a miracle happening in your emotions. Come on, there's healing happening in your emotions. You didn't want to tell anybody that you're depressed, that you don't want to live, but there's healing coming to your emotions. Come on, lady of God. By the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, I speak healing into the heart and the mind of every individual in this room. I speak wholeness into the heart and the mind of every individual in this room. I bind every attack from hell right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we dispatch angels from this room to go back to every city, to go back to every college campus, to go back to every high school, to go back to every city and begin to wage war in the spirit and break the back of every strong man that's come against marriages, that's come against ministries, that's come against youth groups. We bind it even now and I lose your emotions. You will no longer be bound to what the spirit world projects onto you. We don't take ownership of that in this room here tonight. We bind depression. We bind perversion. We bind adultery. We bind homosexuality. We bind generational curses. We bind addiction. We bind it right now. That is not who you are. You are bought with a price and I lose you now. Lift your voice and shout if you know God is liberating you in this house. Come on, that's it. You need to pray with authority until those emotions come back. Some of you have not cried in a long time. Those tears of joy and refreshing, they're about to flow over you again. Come on, that's it. Lift your hands and let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. I bind depression and I lose joy in this house. I bind thoughts of suicide 
and I lose life more about. There's more individuals in this room dealing with the spirit of suicide than what we care to admit. I want you to lift your hands right now and begin to shout. That spirit will let you go in this service right now. I address the spirit of suicide specifically. I command you to let go. Let go of our pastor's wives. Let go of our students. Let go of our musicians. Let go of our singers. Let go of our student pastors. I command you to let go in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. Lift those hands and begin to thank God for victory in this house. Come on. I want you to pray until you feel something shift in your spirit.
want you to lift your hands, begin to pray in a heavenly language right now. Come on, the healing of the Lord is sweeping over your soul. That's it. I want you to begin to pray in tongues right now. Hold on, everybody. Colt, release what's in your spirit. Release what's in your spirit. saith the Lord I have called you as my people I have given you my words now go go therefore and speak it in the world take the stone and let me do my works take the stone and let me do the works let me bring bring the dead back for I am the resurrection thus saith the Lord Come on, the sons and the daughters are going to prophesy. You're not too young. Lift your voice. I said you're not too young. Lift your voice and begin to speak a word. Come on, begin to pray against the darkness. I command every demonic spirit. I pray against everything that's coming against my family. Come on. I want you to get on your feet right now. Begin to pray a word. I pray against the darkness. I pray against every opposing spirit.
come on from the depths of your spirit with all of your might, all of your soul. prophesy to you by the words that were spoke to me by God. I will see billions. You will see billions. The Lord said, I am sending a second flood in the spirit realm. I am. Some of you are on its strongholds. Some of you are chained. But God said, I'm breaking them. I'm taking you out of the strongholds. I'm bringing you back to life. I'm going to tell you what the Lord is saying. It's the hungry that's going to see it. It's those that are hungry for it. It's like the famine of seven years was over. And the prophet prophesied what was going to happen. A man questioned it in the gate. If you question it, you're going to get run over. But if you're hungry to see this end time revival, you're going to partake of it. Come on, right now. If you want it, I want you to push into it. We're going to see prodigals. We're going to see multitudes. We're going to see our church. You need to tell the Lord, I want it. I want to be a part of it.
Reach over, lay hands on your neighbor and begin to pray with the voice of a lion. Come on, not a lamb, but a lion. I want you to pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Receive your miracle. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be loosed of thy infirmity. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Jesus. I command diabetes to be healed in the name of Jesus.
life's pilgrim journey Lord let me
presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the touch of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace.
Lord, by the power of grace. 